uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Uh, Psalm chapter one. Uh, Psalms, if you have your Bible, is going to be like right dead in the middle somewhere. And so uh, open up to the middle, find Psalms, and go back a little bit and go to Psalm chapter one, the very first one. And that's where we're going to be this morning. And I'm uh, going to take a pretty uh, deep look at it and uh, pretty excited about it. So Psalm chapter one, as you're turning there, um, many of you uh, have kids either in school or you've had kids in school. And so you know you know what it's like to have your kids in school. And, um, and, and when, when they were in school, you learned two things. One, you completely forgot how to do math, right? When you're doing homework, you're like, what is this? What, what, what is long division? I don't even know. And you forgot how to do math. Uh, and the second thing that you learned uh, is that you kept learning things, that your kid in second grade is learning things that you didn't even know were things, and, and you continually learn things. So for me, I'm going to uh, tell you what I've learned recently from my second grader. Uh, recently from my second grader, I've learned um, not how to do math. I still don't know how to do math, but um, I've learned uh, that there are two kinds of trees. I didn't know this. I just thought there were trees, and there are millions of kinds of trees, actually, but there are two kinds of trees. There are deciduous trees and evergreen trees. Deciduous trees um, are trees that lose their leaves in the fall and winter uh, and regrow them and bloom again in the spring, um, you know, like most of the trees around here. Uh, but, and those are called deciduous trees. And then there is a distinction uh, calling other types of trees evergreen trees. Uh, trees that are always green. They're evergreen. They uh, don't lose their leaves or their needles uh, through winter, through summer, whatever season it is, they remain green. You know, so like your Christmas tree is an evergreen tree or your Christmas tree is fake. One of the two. Um, and so, uh, so an evergreen tree does not change uh, no matter what the season is, it, whether it's hot or dry, whatever. It's unchanging. It always looks the same. While deciduous trees are always uh, changing with the seasons. Uh, when the weather turns cold or harsh, deciduous trees change. This morning, as we look at Psalm chapter 1, uh, I want us to ask the question, how can we be evergreen? How can we be like an evergreen tree? That uh, uh, How can we have the kind of life that is unchanged no matter what season we go through? Um, no matter what trial we go through, no matter what storms come, that we are like an evergreen tree, ever the same, ever um, unchanging, unbreaking, unwilting. Um, you know, 2020 uh, started out with the threat of being more like a blizzard. At the beginning of this year when all this started, um, it can't, it, you know, it was supposed to be like a blizzard that, you know, comes on really strong, lasts for a few days, and then goes, leaves some damage in its wake, but then it's gone. Um, but that has not been the case. You know, they said, oh, this virus is coming. It's going to last a few weeks, maybe a couple months, and then it'll be over. No big deal. But it has turned, this year has turned out to be less like a blizzard and more like the longest winter of our lives. And so the question this morning is an important one for seasons like the one we're in right now. Um, when life throws curveballs, when life is hard, when harsh winter type of seasons come when life throws things at us that we didn't plan. How do we respond? Uh, how, how can we in the midst of this be evergreen? How can we be strong? How do we live in such a way that it doesn't throw us off course so we don't spiral out of control and get anxious and depressed or scared or angry? How can we face it head on without losing a single leaf, without withering? As followers of Jesus, we should be and can be 
evergreen. It can be rock solid, unmoving, even thriving in the midst of every season, good or bad. So let's look at Psalm 1 together and learn how we can be like this. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. This psalm starts out with the words, blessed is the man. These are the first words we hear in the entire book of Psalms. And this song is meant to teach us how to be a people who are blessed, how to be blessed. Now, there are competing visions for what it means to be blessed in the world. Some of you might say that that blessing it comes in the form of money. Some of you might say that blessing comes in the number of friendships that you have. Uh, some of you might say that blessing is uh, whether or not you are loved or blessing may come in the form of power or it may come in the form of popularity or it may come in the form of being famous or it may come in the form of being stress-free. It may come in the form of having kids or being married or traveling the world. We, we can go on and on. We all have a different vision of what it means to be blessed. Everyone has a different vision. But here this morning, we want to have a divine perspective, an authoritative perspective, an authoritative view on what it actually means to be blessed. We want God to tell us what it means to be blessed. As he created us, he knows what it really means to be blessed, so we want him to tell us. So what is the blessed man like? So what we're going to do is we're going to jump down to verse 3, um, and we're going to kind of see the end, and then we're going to jump back up and see how we get there. So what does it look like to be blessed? What does it look like to be blessed? Verse 3, he says, that he, he is the blessed man, is like a tree, a tree. Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment. Let's kind of dig into that. We're going to dig into each little part of this. Uh, this fall, my family uh, went on vacation to Gatlinburg. And um, we, me, neither me or my wife had been to Gatlinburg in a long time. And uh, we were there, and someone had told us about this place called Anakista that we should go to. And so we were really excited. And we, uh, we, we, when you go to Anakista, it's on top of this mountain. And so you've got to take a ski lift uh, to get up there. So we were on the ski lift and um, we have little ones. And so we got into the ski lift that's like enclosed because uh, trying to hold Ember, our youngest, still for as long as it takes to get up that mountain would have been impossible. And we would have came down with one less child. Um, so we, we got in the enclosed version and we're heading up the mountain. And one of the things that's kind of one of the big attractions, one of the big selling points was that there is this uh, swinging bridge and the trees. There's like a tree bridge thing. And so we're excited about that and we were going to go do that. Now, didn't really know what to expect, but it was pretty fascinating because when you get there, you, the, the bridge starts out, it's just, you know, bolted like to a platform and you walk out on the bridge and it's swinging, you know, it's rope, you got the slats, and you're walking across it. And, uh, but when you get to the, to the first tree where it's going to, you know, connect to that tree and it's going to go to another tree and to another tree and to another tree, it's not a fake tree. 
It's not like Disney World where they've got this massive tree that's really just like steel and it's been painted to look like a tree. Uh, it's not that. It's also not like three or four or five trees, like a clubhouse, and then they built like a platform that the bridge connected to the platform, and then you go to the next platform. That's not what they did there. That's not what they did. It is one single oak tree. This big around. You know, just like a tree we would have here. Here. 30, 40, 50 feet up in the air. And there's a little platform that they build around the single tree. The bridge connects to that. You walk around the platform and jump on the next bridge and go to another single tree. And it's not like they're up there regulating it. Like, hey, the weight limit is X and such. And so you can go, you can go, you can go. Uh, no, you got to wait. Hold on, let these people go. No, no, it's just free for all. Just everybody's going. We're crowded. We're scooting around the tree together. The tree's swaying. It's leaning, freaking out a little bit. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on, right? And so, um, and, and what was fascinating is like, I'm like, insurance covers this place with these Single, like one tree falls, we're all going down. But, but insurance does cover it because trees are incredibly strong. They have deep and long roots. They have stood the test of time. They have been there from, from storm after storm after storm. They've seen season come and season go, and yet still they stand strong and firm. I'm going to show us four marks of what it means to be blessed. And the first is that we... Are to be uh, to be blessed is to be rooted, strong, like a tree. To be blessed is to be unmoved, to be firm, to be unfazed, to be unharmed by the storms and the seasons of whatever come your way. It, it, that we will bend, but will never break. See, we we'll, we'll talk uh, more about this in a moment. But but to be blessed is to be rooted and confident and who you are in Christ, that you have a firm foundation, that you are secure with who you are in Christ. No matter what else you're hearing out there in the world, no matter what other arguments or other things try to persuade you otherwise, you are firm and secure, rooted like a big old oak tree in who you are in Christ. There's great confidence that comes with that, right? Um, blessing is to be rooted and confident in who you are in Christ. The second, the second thing we see, he continues on and he says, the blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water. Okay, so let's dig into that. A tree planted next to, to water never has to rely on rain, never has to rely on someone watering it. In seasons of drought, in seasons of little rain, in seasons where it's hot, this tree is still thriving because its roots are connected to the source of water that gives it life. So check this out. Even in difficult seasons, when everything else around us is struggling, when everyone else is struggling, when everyone else is going through a season like this year that has affected everyone equally or semi-equally, This, like a tree that is connected to streams of water that is growing and thriving, we can do the same thing. Do you remember what James says in his book, in the New Testament? James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, when Christians face difficult seasons, when everyone else is on their last leg, when everyone else is struggling, yet we still grow, we still thrive. 
And it's not that we don't struggle. Lord knows we struggle. But through the struggle, through the hardship, we continue to grow. We continue to thrive. Because even though the season is difficult and it's killing and destroying everything else around us, we're connected to the source of life. We are, connect, we are like a tree planted by streams of water who is connected to the very thing that enables it to grow even in the midst of a drought. So are we as Christians connected to the source of life itself, Jesus Christ. So in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of harsh times and harsh seasons, we continue to, grow, to, to, throw, to thrive and grow despite what's going on in the world because God has always used difficult circumstances to help us to thrive because we're connected to him. Throughout the last 2,000 years, uh, there have been government after government who has risen up to try to quash Christianity. And every time a government tries to quash Christianity, it thrives. It, it, it's like, uh, like weeds. We just, we just keep coming. Uh, even, even right now uh, in China, uh, China is a place where Christianity is virtually illegal. It's not, but it's, it's almost illegal. You, you can't share your faith um, you have to register your church with the, with the government. And they keep an eye on you. And now there are all these underground churches that don't register with the government. And, um, and there's, there's like Chinese agents who spy on them, try to find them and, and shut them down and try to, uh, they, they'll arrest the pastors and, and put them in prison for, for years and they'll torture them. And, and Christianity is like, they are trying to end it. And despite their best efforts to end Christianity, China has one of the largest, if not the largest, fastest growing church in the world. There are more Christians in China than there are in America. So if you try to kill Christianity, if you try to quash, you try to bring a season of drought on us, we'll just thrive. We'll just thrive. And so uh, when you are rooted in the source of life, no matter what seasons of difficulty you go through, you will continue to grow. That's the second way, second way we see what it means to be blessed. The third thing, it says, he continues, says, the tree yields its fruit in its season. This is a constant theme throughout the Bible. Jesus picks up on this theme a lot, right? Jesus will say um, uh, that a good tree produces good fruit, or he'll say that you'll know a tree by its fruit. Jesus goes as far as to say that a tree that doesn't produce fruit should be cut down and thrown into the fire because it's useless. Here we see that a part of being blessed is that you are a person who is produced producing fruit, okay? That means that, that you are, that you're growing, that you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life, okay? That you are fulfilling all that God wants you to be, that you are being who God has made you to be. To produce fruit is a sign that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and is, and is have, you know, doing his will in you and is changing you from the inside out. So, but what does that fruit look like? What does it look like for you to, to live out, to bear fruit? The New Testament, the book of Galatians tells us that there is this thing called the fruit of the spirit. Many of you know this. Uh, there's a fun kid song that goes with this. It says the fruit of the spirit's not a banana. Fruit of the spirit's not a banana, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are, those are some of the marks or the fruits that should come out of you from the characteristics and virtues that should come out of you when you are a child of God who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, living out who God has called you to be. 
That is the fruit you should naturally produce as someone who has been changed by God, someone who is blessed. Now ask yourself, are those markers true of you? Or are many of those markers true of you? Are you a person who is loving, who is filled with joy? Are you, do you have peace with other people? Are you patient? Do you have kindness and goodness in you? Are you marked by gentleness? Are you marked by, my children would say, I am not marked by gentleness because I wrestle with them a lot, very um, violently, but in a safe way. Uh, are you marked by faithfulness? Are you marked by self-control or do you fly off the handle? Are these markers and virtues in your life that come out naturally bearing fruit because you are someone who's connected to the source of life? God has changed you and so this is the result. Because this is what it looks like if you're blessed. This is what it means to be blessed, that you live this kind of life. A tree that is producing fruit is a tree that is doing what it was designed to do. And as followers of Jesus, we who live and these things come out of us, we are doing what God designed us to do. To be blessed is to be and live out the virtues of the people of God. Four, he says, its leaf does not wither. Flowers and leaves begin to wither when they don't get enough water, right? And they begin to shrink and wither and, and look like decay. Um, when they don't get enough water, which is their life source, they, they wither. And the same is true with us, right? The same thing is true with us. When we live our lives detached from our relationship with God, when we live in such a way where we have distance between us and God, where we're not tapping into that relationship, it is no wonder that you are struggling. It is no wonder that you are anxious. It is no wonder that you are frustrated and angry and quick-tempered and, and all those fruits are not true of you because you are disconnected from the source. You're disconnected from your relationship with God. You are isolating yourself from him and so you isolate from other people. It is our connection to the source of our spiritual life, Jesus himself, that enables us to do as the next line says, prosper. We can prosper instead of wither. Our thriving or living the blessed life, listen, your thriving and being blessed is directly connected, directly connected to our relationship with Jesus, our walk with Jesus. If you disconnect your life from Jesus, you will wither. If, if you live your life where Jesus is at an arm's reach or if you just only give him so much of you, you will wither. You will have a hard time. You will not be walking in the blessed life because you're connected from the source of blessing. So, so re recap real quick. What does it look like to be blessed? God says, this is what it means to be blessed, that you are rooted and unwavering, right? No matter the season, you are rooted and strong. You are too connected to the source of life and you will be growing regardless of the season or trial. So you are rooted and you are connected to the source of life. And three, you bear fruit. You, you, you live out these virtues of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You live out goodness and mercy. And, and finally, you don't weather. So you are, you are strong and unwavering. You are secure. You are connected to the source of life. You are growing and bearing fruit and you don't weather. That's what it means to be blessed. If I had to sum it all up in one way, I would, I would say this, that regardless of circumstances or seasons, your life is full and content. And notice, I said, regardless of circumstances, doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or no money. 
doesn't matter if you have a lot of friends or no friends. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of influence or no influence. It doesn't matter the season of life, what you have or don't have, regardless of circumstances or seasons. Be blessed means that your life is full and content. You can have that when you, when you follow Jesus. Okay, so now the question is, how do we get that? How do we get that kind of blessing in our life where we're walking like that? Um, verse two. So we, we kind of went down, saw the end. Now let's go see how to get there. Verse two. Uh, it's going to give us a clear answer. And it's all about this. If I had to sum up what we're going to say in one, one line, it's this. It is all about what you take in. You want to live a blessed life? It is all about what you take are taking from the outside in. So he begins by telling us what not to do. So look at verse one. Or, yeah, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I want you to notice that there is a progression here. In these three lines, there is a progression. First, the person is walking in the counsel of the wicked. They're walking in counsel given by the wicked. Then they move. Now they're not just walking, but they're standing with or in the way of sinners. So wicked went from wicked to sinners. Walking went from walking to standing. Counsel moved from just just advice to standing with them. And then it moves finally. We are sitting with scoffers. It begins with casual association. Receiving advice, counsel. And it moves to full identification with the wicked. So first, I'm getting advice from them, and it ends with full identification with them. Even the descriptor of the group changes from wicked to sinner to scoffer. And anytime you see that word scoffer, particularly in the wisdom literature of the Bible, like the book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms, Ecclesiastes, it serves as a descriptor of someone who has completely given themselves over to the way of the wicked, to the way of sin, to the way of the world, okay? And that may not always look like what you think. In some ways, what he's saying when he says the word scoffer, it is like saying that someone has stage five cancer, that this rebellion in someone's heart has fully grown and is wreaking havoc in their life, okay? A scoffer is one who mocks the truth, who mocks the way of the Lord, who laughs at the way of the righteous. To a scoffer, all the things of the people of God are ridiculous and silly. But how did that person get there? How did that person become a scoffer? Well, they weren't born in that way. They didn't just one day wake up and be that way. It didn't happen overnight. But slowly, ever so slowly, over days and weeks and months and years, by listening to the voices that were competing with the voice of the Lord, by listening to the voice of the serpent, by listening to the voices and the wisdom of the world, they slowly moved away from the things of God and toward wickedness. You see, we are all products of our influences. I don't think we like to believe this. I think we like to believe that we are neutral and that we are, that our influences are down here and we're above all of our influences, just kind of cherry picking and choosing the ones we like. And, and we, can, we can view them and, our, our, and take our influences as like this neutral person. And that is exactly what the devil wants you to think because that is just a silly lie. We are all a product of our influences. You see, we become like those we listen to. We become like those we hang out with. 
we become like the things we take in. Our influences matter. None of them are neutral. They all change us for good or for ill, for good or for bad. So you start hanging out with new friends. Uh, you hang out with them a lot. You have a new friend group, new coworkers at work. You, really quickly, you will find that your manner, mannerisms have changed a little bit. That maybe the way you say things or phrases have changed. Anytime you introduce a new friend that you spend a significant time with, you will begin to talk like them and even move like them. You will begin to emulate them without even trying, without thinking about it. Uh, there's so many times that uh, Ryan will say something and uh, uh, Kate will say, oh, that sounded like Brent. Or I'll say something and, and Kate will say, oh, you sounded like Ryan or you sounded like Nathan. Or uh, one, of our, one of my friends from college, uh, when I get in an arguing kind of mode, debating kind of mode, my wife will look at me and say, you sound just like Brady, who's my friend from college. Uh, and so we, ha- we begin to sound like those people we spend a lot of time with. If you listen to Fox News and conservative podcasts and conservative media, and read those things and, 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 and take those things. You, now hear me. Some of y'all are going to get guarded. You're going to get defensive, but hear me. I'm going to attack both sides. You listen to Fox News and conservative podcasts and conservative media. Your values, your opinions, and your worldview will slowly inch you know, closer and closer to, to look like what they value, to look more like Rush Limbaugh than it does Jesus. And if on the other side, if all you listen to is CNN and MSNBC and liberal podcasts and media, then slowly and slowly your values and your opinions and your worldview will look more like AOCs than Jesus's. And so uh, we have got to be the people who look more like Jesus than anything the world says, right, left, or center. We're above it all. We, we are to look and model the, the values and the opinions and the worldview of Jesus, not Fox News or CNN. We have to be more concerned about what the word of God says and modeling our hearts and lives after that than anything the media says on either side because it is influencing us and changing us, whether we think it is or not. And we must be marked more by Jesus than either of those. Uh, recently, there was a... Uh, a documentary on Netflix that is pretty pretty fascinating called The Social Dilemma. And it, they interview all of these uh, old executives from Facebook and Twitter and um, all the social medias. And uh, one of the things that was fascinating, there's many things that are fascinating and terrifying about this, and you should, you should if you're a parent, watch it. Um, but there are all of these computerized systems, algorithms, that have one job, to keep you engaged. And the way they keep you engaged is by feeding you more of what they know you want. They know you. Uh, they know everything you click on, how long you look at things. They know all this stuff about you. And so whatever you click on, they know to give you more of the stuff that you will like because you clicked on this. Uh, whether it's on the right, left, center, up, down, wherever, wherever you are on the spectrum, whatever kinds of articles and posts you click on and look at, it says, okay, to keep them engaged, we're going to send them more of that. And what it does is it pushes everyone into an echo chamber, pushes all the people on the left further to the left, all the people on the right further to the right. And, and, and all you now hear are people on your side. And so when you hear someone from the other side say something, you're like, well, that person's an idiot. Have they, have they not read all the articles that I've been reading? Well, no, they haven't. They've been reading all the other articles because like them, they're in their own echo chamber. 
and it pushes us and it divides us. And it's no wonder that we're more divided than ever in our country because all we hear is what we want to hear. Because we like, because we become like the things we take in. We become more and more like the things we take in. And we have computer software that knows what we want to hear. We're only going to become more ingrained in that. If your friend group or coworker or family member uh, are, are, are all atheists who hate the things of God, that is going to have an effect on you, right? It will affect the way you talk. It will affect the way you think. And slowly it will conform you more into their image than to the image of Jesus. We always become like those we spend most time with. And that's why the book of Proverbs says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise because we become like those we are influenced by. Choosing the right influences will change everything. Your friends, the media you take in, the podcasts you listen to, everything you are taking in is conforming you. It is changing you. It is molding you into something, whether you realize it or not. You are not above it. It is molding you. And so you've got to take dominion of that and be in charge of what you want to mold you. It's not wrong to watch any of those things or listen to any of those things, but you have got to intake the right things to counteract that and to be molded into the image of Jesus, not the image of the world. That's why if you want to live the blessed life, you've got to do the opposite of what this first verse says. You can't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Instead, you must instead walk in the counsel of the wise. See, you need to surround yourself with people and voices and media that are going to point you to truth. Not the truth you want to hear, the actual truth. That points you to wisdom, that tell you what is right and wrong uh, and real, even when it's not what you want to hear. Even when it goes against your natural impulses and thought processes. It is good. This is an unpopular opinion in, in the world, but for Christians, we should say it is good to be challenged. It is good to hear wise counsel that makes you change your mind on an issue, makes you think in a different way. We surround ourselves with people who should speak biblical truth and wisdom into our lives, not just what we want to hear, not an echo chamber, and not just yes men who just affirm that, but challenge our thinking, challenge our thoughts. Be weary, be weary, be skeptical of surrounding yourself with people and influences that only tell you what you already believe and what you want to be true. Wisdom embraces the truth even when it's hard to hear. Wisdom receives correction. Uh, this is a hard thing for us. Um, just this week, uh, someone, someone uh, uh, said something to me that in a, in, a, in a gentle, gracious tone of correction of, Brent, why didn't we do this? I really would have valued this and having this happen in our church. And why didn't we do that? And, 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 I, and I literally said to him, I said, man, I appreciate that rebuke. And it wasn't a negative. We, th we, we think of that word rebuke as negative, but it wasn't negative. It was, no, thank you, thank you. I, I needed to hear that because I was blind to that. I didn't see it, didn't notice it. So now you've brought that into the light and now I can course correct and change and fix that because I didn't see it before. And that was good. It was good for me to hear that. It was good for me to receive that correction. So often we're afraid of correction. We want to be right and we want to put our you know, posts in the ground and don't, don't tell me I'm wrong. But instead, it is good for us to receive counsel from the wise. That's how we're going to grow. That's how we're going to live the blessed life.
Second, we walk in the counsel of the wise, yes, but also we stand in the way, not of sinners, but in the way of of the righteous. We are always going to emulate the people we're around. We emulate the actions of those we hang out with. If you hang out with people who act in a way that you know is wrong, eventually you're going to do that thing yourself. Uh, They don't call it peer pressure for nothing, right? Like the reason they call it peer pressure is because there is significant pressure and eventually I give in. If I hang around this group long enough, I'm going to do what they do too. We, We believe the lie that says that I can have close friends who do something I know is wrong and I can keep my distance from that thing. And you might be able to do that for a while, but eventually it's probably going to overtake you and you're just going to do it because it is slowly going to callous your heart and eventually you're going to end up doing that thing too. We always do. Don't believe that lie that says you're strong enough that, that you can hang out. These can be your best buddies who do something wrong and you never give in to it. Finally, we sit in the seat of not the scoffers, but the saints. The word seat here can be translated as assembly or congregation. We must gather together with fellow believers. We are to sit. We are to congregate. We are to assemble with fellow believers in Christ. If regularly gathering in this room, hearing people sing, hearing the preaching of the word, hugging people, encouraging people, sitting in a small group and and opening the word together and asking questions and and, and learning and engaging and and praying for one another and hearing other people's burdens and and praying for them and helping them and being with them. That is how we are to grow. That is how we're going to live the blessed life. See, there is no one in this world who understands what you are going through, who understands what you are feeling, who understands what you are trying so desperately to hope in. There's no one who understands what you are attempting to do other than the people of God. You need to sit and congregate and assemble with the people of God in every aspect of your life so that we are conformed not into the image of the world but into the image of Christ. If you want to live the life of the blessed, you have to pay special attention to what people, what voices, what media, everything are influencing you. You need to change those influences if they don't point you and don't drive you and don't conform you into the worldview and values and opinions of Jesus. Because that's what we're after. We don't want to become like Fox News or CNN. We don't want to become like Jesus. We don't want to become like our atheist friends or atheist co-workers. We want to become like Jesus. We don't want to become like our, our Buddhist co-workers. We want to become like Jesus. So we've got to take in the things that are going to make us like that. So, Finally, if you want to live the blessed life, not only must you pay attention to what, are, what is influencing you, you must have one primary influence. And this is a simple point, but it is the most profound, most helpful thing, practical thing in your life that every one of us in, listening here, me included, take for granted. Verse two, he says, but his delight, the person who is blessed, the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Notice how he says he meditates on God's word day and night. It is amazing to me that we will say with our lips that only knowing God can bring true happiness and joy to our lives. And yet rarely we open our book and said the Bible collects dust on a shelf in our house. The average worship attendance in America, this, is, this, this breaks my heart. The average worship attendance in America for people who go to church is 1.7 times a month. 1.7 times a month. 
Most of us rarely open our Bibles. We rarely come and gather. We'd only do it when it fits into our schedule. And yet we expect all of the benefits of the things of God to come flowing into us and into our lives when we don't put any of the work into the actual relationship that it takes to get those blessings. We just want all of the blessings because we think we checked a box off of, uh, off of a car that says, yeah, I believe. And so now I want all the blessing. And we don't want to put any of the work into the relationship. But to be blessed requires that we meditate on God's word because in meditating on God's word day in and day out, we, we know the one to whom it points. When we cherish and value and dig deep into this book we call the Bible, we, when we meditate on its truths daily, we know the one to whom it points. And it will, it will thrust us into knowing him and therefore then we will be blessed. You've heard the old saying that says that someone whose Bible is falling apart usually has a life that isn't. To live the blessed life, you have to know the word because in knowing the word, you will know the one to whom it is about. If you do not know the Bible, you do not know God. God has revealed himself in his word, and that is the way we know him. And if you want to get to know him, if you want to receive the benefits of the relationship that we have with him, you've got to know him, and you know him not through going to the golf course on Sunday morning and, and, and getting your time in with God on the golf course. You get to know him by opening his word and gathering with his people. He's told us that's how you get to know him. You don't get to make up the rules. He's told us how. And then he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Delight in the law. Now, understand something. When he says delight in the law, the law does not refer uh, to like thou shall not steal. But when he says the law, anytime in the Bible, it's the Hebrew word Torah, which refers to the first five books of the Bible. So what we're not to delight in is like thou shall not steal. Oh man, thou shall not steal. Man, I just got delight in that and that's gonna make me blessed. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we have to delight in his word. We are to delight in the story that God is telling through his word. Stay with me, I'm almost done, okay? You can only do this. You can only delight in his word when you realize, when you realize the simple truth of what the Bible is about. When you realize that the Bible is one big story, one story, exposing our failures and our sin, exposing the frauds that we are, exposing our imperfections, and pointing to God's magnificent love that he would come and rescue us and make us his own. The whole Bible is about that. You see, when you see the Bible as a bunch of rules, when you think the Bible is a bunch of do's and do nots and, and structures and, and all this stuff, all it's going to do when you meditate on the Bible, if you think of it that way, is it's going to turn you into someone who is depressed, Scrooge-like person. But when you see that the Bible is an incredible, marvelous story of his grace and mercy and love toward you, toward redemption, that, that you have new life. And that is when you meditate on that, it will enrich your heart. It will enrich your life and it will leave you blessed. You see, the way to be blessed is by taking in in every form the truth that you are wicked and yet God loves you. That you would, would have been a scoffer but yet God loved you so much that he sent his son to make you righteous. The path of the blessed is the path of conforming your whole life to the ways of Jesus. 
You want to be blessed. You want to live the blessed life. You want to be strong like a tree and connected to the source and all those things. The path of the blessed is the path of conforming your whole life to the ways of Jesus. Your life can be a blessing or it can be a curse. And really, there's two paths and they're up to you. If you follow the way of the wicked that this Psalms talks about, if you follow the way of the wicked, if that is the, the wisdom of the world, that is those who see the world, that this is all there is, uh, that the things in this world will satisfy them, that this world has the answers and they don't follow Christ, then you will be like verse four when it says that they are all like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff, if you don't know, is like the shell of a seed. Like when you go to the store and you get sunflower seeds and you put it in your mouth and you crack the shell and you eat the seed and you spit out the shell. And now this, this uh, shell lays on the ground empty and gross and useless uh, and it's blown about by the wind. That is what chaff is. It can't grow. It can't prosper. It can't create. It can't even control where it goes. It is determined by the wind and wherever it will blow it. And this is the result of following the wisdom of the world. You think the world will satisfy you and if you listen to the voices of the world that are telling you to believe this or to believe that, you are just like a piece of chaff that is blown wherever the, the currents of the world take them. And you're not an oak who is secure in who you are and what Jesus says. You're not anchored into anything. Simply, you just change directions wherever the, wherever the world leads you. You see, you can be as strong and secure as a mighty oak tree. You can be like an evergreen tree who endures the harshest winters and still prospers. Or you can follow the wisdom of the world and be like chaff who doesn't grow but withers, who goes wherever the wind blows it. Here's the end. Listen to this. We're done. If you are rooted in nothing, you will fall for anything. If you're rooted in nothing, you will fall for anything. But if you are rooted in Christ, you will endure all things and truly be blessed. Pray together. Father, this morning we pray that you would make us a people who are blessed, who are, who are strong as oaks, who are evergreen through every season, connected to the source of life, producing fruit and not withering, but prospering. Lord, the only way we're gonna do this is if we take in your word, if we take in the right influences that are conforming us more into the image of Jesus than the image of the world. Lord, help us to know the things that we ought to listen to and the things that we should maybe reject a little bit or the things that we should listen to or, or watch or take in or friend groups that we should be a little more guarded against and not just let them in. Lord, help us to be critical thinkers. Help us to be wise and help us to be blessed by conforming our lives into the image of your son. Father, we love you and thank you. In Christ's name we pray.